following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. <clears throat> First Peter 1, again looking at verse 6. Here again the Bible says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, and the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found in a praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Again, as we're in our study in the book of First Peter, and we're continuing with our discussion, our consideration of the trial of your faith. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, Lord, I thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace to us. And Father, but for your grace and mercy, Father, I don't know where we'd be. Father, thank you for offering us, offering us faith through, his, through your word, faith that can save us from sin, faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, and Father, faith in the work of Christ in our hearts and lives after we're saved. And Father, Lord, as we look at the, the scriptures tonight, I pray, Father, that you'd help us, uh, Father, to be drawn closer to thee. Father, help us to see, if we can, what sometimes you're doing in our lives. Father, even the difficult things. Father, bless us now. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, the trial of, our, of your faith that we had been talking earlier about the blessings, the blessed future we have to look forward to in verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith and the salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And what a blessing that we have a glorious future uh, to look forward to. As a matter of fact, Ken looked forward to it so much that I'm going now. <laughs> He's gone ahead. He's enjoying what we have to look forward to. Amen. And what a blessing. But folks, we're not there yet. Well, you know, I told someone one time, I said, if this is heaven, I wouldn't want to go. I don't want to be in heaven if this is heaven, and it's not. Thanks be to God. There's something better uh, to look forward to than this. And yet along the way, and until we get there, there is still some blessings, and one of which is the trial of our faith. He says in verse 6, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found into praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The trial of our faith is sometimes not something we always view, uh, if you will, as a blessed thing, and yet in many respects it is. is. And we talked about the fact that the, the word trial means examination, by test, an act of examining by experience. You know, sometimes, folks, we view tests. And I, when I was in school, because I was the genius that I was, I did not, I did not, I was not afraid of tests. Wrong. <laughs> I hated tests. But oftentimes, a test is a good tool by which we can find out what we don't know or don't know and uh, the areas in which we're lacking. And uh, so tests don't have to be considered a bad thing. As a matter of fact, he says the trial of your faith, that's putting your faith in God, the Lord Jesus Christ, to the test, showing what is the real nature of it, whether it's genuine or false or what have you. And, you know, folks, it's important that our, our faith is tried and is tested, even if it's a supposed faith. Look with me to John 6, John chapter 6 tonight. John 6, looking at verse 66. <clears throat> John 6, looking at verse 66, you know, there were many that professed to be the disciples of the Lord and following him, and yet we find here in John 6 and 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And it's interesting that earlier in verse uh, 60, uh, the Lord's, uh, the Bible says, therefore, uh, 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 many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is an hard saying who can hear it? And folks, they were struggling with 
uh, you know, it was one thing to be fed. It was one thing to be healed. It was one thing to enjoy what seems to be all the blessings of God. But when it came down to the nitty-gritty of the Christian life and doctrine and truth and conforming to those things, folks, uh, these people began to struggle because their faith wasn't what it appeared to be. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say in verse 66, from that time many of his disciples went back and walk no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, We also go away. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Here, so many that had professed to be disciples, following the Lord, concerned about it, at least on the surface of what, of doing what was right and what have you. We find them going back and leaving the Lord and saying, you know what, we, we, this, this is too hard. We don't want to go this way. And so they turned from following the Lord. But there were those that stayed by the stuff. Because as he, as he says here in verse 68, then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You ever thought about this? What if you quit going to church? Where would you go? Could you accept something less after having heard maybe some of the pure word of God preached on a regular basis to you? I've often thought to myself, you know, even as these apostles say, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ the son of the living God. And so it was that even among the apostles, there was a devil, amen? And we know that to be Judas, a false professor, one that probably even preached and taught the word of God and had the appearance of something that he wasn't. In 2 Corinthians 13, 2 Corinthians 13. Now, it doesn't mean that anybody who struggles as a preacher is automatically lost. That's ridiculous, folks. Preachers are human beings, amen, although there's been some question as to whether I'm that, <laughs> but it's true. Uh, we're human beings, and we struggle. You know, this preacher, myself, I struggle at times. I struggle with putting up with you folks, sometimes on a regular basis. No. Sometimes I struggle with different things. Sometimes I get upset over different things because we're human. In 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 1, this is the third time I am coming to you in the mouth of two or three witnesses, shall every word be established. I told you before and foretell you as, I, as if I were present the second time, and being absent now, I write uh, to them which heretofore have sinned and, and to all other, that if I come again, I will not spare. Now, you know, it's sad because the, the uh, church at Corinth had become a critic of the Apostle Paul, the man who had come initially to preach the gospel to them, Help them to be saved by the grace of God, established a church, established them in the faith, and now they're turning on him. And it's sad, you know, <clears throat> remembering this, again, that preachers aren't perfect. You know, the Apostle Paul, great servant of God, God had to give him a thorn in the flesh. Why? Because of a problem with pride. <gasps> Amen. You know, sometimes we preachers imagine that we're something, sometimes that we're not. And we lose sight of who it is that saved us and who it is that called us and who it is that enables us to do what he's called us to do. And sometimes we forget to give God the glory. And, and, and Paul understood this. He talked about it in chapter 12. But here he's dealing with their attitude, their spirit. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. And he says here, but I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Now was Paul challenging them because... He just wanted them to be miserable and doubt. Folks, you know what Paul was concerned? That they have the genuine faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? And you know, folks, sometimes we have to examine ourselves. Sometimes we have to have a preacher who will get up and cause us to look at ourselves and look at uh, uh, whether or not we're truly saved by the grace of God. Because as I said this morning, you don't want to get that matter wrong. Amen? 
You know, the Bible says, for all have sinned that come short of the glory of God. Folks, you know, a, a profession without possession will leave you just as short of the glory of God because it's as much sin as anything else. Amen? And God would have us to have a genuine faith, and sometimes our faith needs to be tried and tested. Well, if you look with me back to 1 Peter chapter 6, excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 1, and again, looking at verse 6. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, we began to look more closely at the trials of our faith. And first of all, in verse 6, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptation. You know, we talked last time about the heaviness of heart because of the manifold temptations or trials we may be facing. You know, folks, sometimes the trial of our faith is a very difficult thing. It sometimes it takes us to places that we'd never imagine we'd be or find ourselves. And yet it's important at times that our faith be tried. You know, if you'll, <clears throat> he says here, he speaks of the heaviness through the manifold temptations. You know, you, to hear some, some preachers talk, and I read what preachers say sometimes, and, you know, to get, you know, to, to look at what some of them say, they would give us the impression that as Christian people, people of faith, that we should never find ourselves ever in a state of heaviness and upset because of something that's going on in our lives. And yet, folks, we're not robots. Amen? And God knows that there are times when we face sadness, sorrow, Dejection of mind, depression of spirit. Look with me to Job 9 and 27. Job 9 and 27. <clears throat> you know, I thank God that God knows us for what we are. Amen. We're flesh and blood. In Job 9 and 27, the Bible says, If I say, and if I say I will forget my complaint, I will leave off my heaviness and comfort myself. I'm afraid of all my sorrows. I know that thou wilt not hold me innocent. And yet, you know, folks, God knew what, what, what Job was going to do even before he did it and allowed the devil to come in there and try him and test him, knowing that uh, Job would go through some deep waters and maybe learn some things about himself that, that those, without those trials and difficulties he'd never know. And not so that he would be uh, defeated and discouraged and give up, but realize, okay, maybe I have something that's wrong with me, and, and I, I need to seek God and his help and his grace to get the victory in my life, in our lives. In Psalm 69, 20 and 21, Psalm 69, verses 20 and 21. The Bible says, Reproach hath broken my heart. I am full of heaviness. I looked for some uh, to take pity, but there was none. For comforters, but I found none. They gave me uh, also gall for my meat. And in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Who is this prophetically speaking of? Our Lord Jesus Christ. As he hung on the cross of Calvary between heaven and earth, he was there for you and I. And yet we can see even in his humanity that he was facing, if you will, heaviness because of what he was going through. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 26, look with there, there with me, Matthew 26. <clears throat> and I don't, mean, I don't mean to make Christ any less God, but yet the Bible says that he is, he is called the man... Christ Jesus, the Son of Man, and yet the Son of God. And the Bible says that, uh, that we can go to him to the throne of grace because he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. But he is a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. He's there for you and I. He understands what we're going through, even though he's had to try and test our faith. He knows, he understands. In Matthew 26 and verse 36, Matthew 26 and 36, the Bible says, Then cometh Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane 
And he saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray under. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be what? Happy and gleeful. Happy I go, singing, you know, all that. I've blown the song already. That's why I'm not singing a solo. I'm just, just, he was blissful singing. And, and No. What does the Bible say of our Lord? And began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto, the, uh, unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry, here and tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto, what, uh, what, uh, unto Peter, What could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And you know, it's, folks, it, <clears throat> I don't believe his sorrow and his heaviness was because necessarily of his suffering, but rather the Bible teaches he became sin for us who knew no sin. Folks, pure holiness was, was going to take upon himself all the ugliness and unholiness of all mankind. And the Lord was burdened with that. He would carry that burden for us so that we'd not bear it ourselves. Amen. He would carry that burden for us. In Matthew 11, Matthew 11 and 28, You know, Jesus says this, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, folks, he says, he says Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. You know, folks, when we get into the Scripture, we begin to focus our heart's attention on the Lord we see in Christ, a man. A man who understands what it is to be a man. A man who understands, if you will, weakness, though not sinning. Amen? A man that loves us like no other man does, no matter what we do. You know, after we're saved, and I've said it so many times lately, God loves us with an everlasting love. Amen. Heaviness. The heaviness in the heart sometimes that comes because of the trial of our faith. If you will, look back to 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And that's all review, amen. What do they call the introduction? Somebody said once that I've, I've been in the introduction for a long time. <laughs> and I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm messing that up, but... Uh, one of my, I think it was Brother Silcox used to say something to that effect. <clears throat> and boy, did he have long introductions, amen? <laughs> First Peter 1, and he says in verses 6 and 7, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found into praise and honor and glory, at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You know, the second thing we want to talk about is the value of our faith is to be found and increased, found and increased by fiery trials. Found and increased. You know, folks, <clears throat> there is first, if you will, the, uh, as we see our, our faith, faith tested, the genuineness of our faith. Look at Matthew, 5, Matthew 13. Again, folks, we need to be sure that our faith is genuine and in the right place and what have you in Matthew 13 and 18. And folks, sometimes trial will bring out the genuineness of our faith. In Matthew 13 and 18, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which is sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside, and we're talking to folks, the seed of God's word does what in the human heart? It can and should produce faith. Amen. God desires to produce faith in the human heart. And he says here, <clears throat> verse, uh, verse 20, 
Who said 19? Verse 20, But he that receives seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. You know, initially he receives it with joy. It seems to be, oh, hey, here's maybe some genuine saving faith. Yet hath he no root, he hath not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. You know, folks, uh, we're talking about trials. The testing of the genuineness of this faith. Or suppose, you know, on the surface, it looked like something real. I mean, wow, this person's excited. They have the joy, what looks like the joy of the Lord. In verse uh, <clears throat> 22, And he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. Here again is one who would profess faith, one who be, be, has received, at least appears to receive the seed, appears to have some faith, and yet... When the trial of living and, and riches and what have you begin to test his faith, the first three are all unfruitful. There's only one among the four. In verse 23, But he that receives seed in the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some an hundred and some sixty and some thirty. Now, you know what, folks? The amount is not as important as the fact that it's there. Amen, that it's there. Although in time, the fruit should increase. Amen, and will. Through the trial of our faith. But the genuineness of our faith. Look with me at Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. <clears throat> Look at verse 5. Then, went, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria after the Lord. You know, the Lord lit a fire under the rear end of the church in Jerusalem. Now, is that appropriate to say from the, the, the pulpit, rear end? He's lit a fire under them to get them busy, get them involved with getting the gospel to a lost and dying world. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them, and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voices came out of many that were possessed with them. Many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city, in that city. But there was a certain uh, uh, man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that he himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. To him they had regard, because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also and when he was baptized he, he continued with philip wondering and beholding the miracles and signs which were done now when the apostles uh, which were at jerusalem heard that samaria had received the word of god they sent unto them peter and john you know they're going to establish a church here sent out if you will some representatives from the church in jerusalem who when they were come come down prayed for them that they might receive the holy ghost for as yet he would fallen upon none of them only they were baptized in the name of the lord jesus and they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Then Simon, Simon saw that through the laying on of the hands of the apostles, the Holy Ghost was given. And let me say this too. There's no mention of speaking in tongues, by the way, here. But the Spirit of God, the power of God has come down upon this assembly. And uh, Simon sees it. He says in verse 19, saying, give me, this, uh, give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, uh, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive, now there's something going on with Simon. He's professed to believe. He's been kind of going along with things, uh, paying some measure of attention to this. And yet, Peter says, he says here, <clears throat> I, he says, uh, for I, verse 23, For I perceive that the, thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which ye have spoken uh, come upon me. You know, there's a, there is a huge issue of whether or not this fellow ever got saved. You know, folks, there, and, and the, the test of what he was observing 
and what he really wanted brought out the value of whether his faith were genuine or not. And sometimes that's what it takes to show people whether someone is real or not, whether their faith is real. And sometimes, folks, I think God wanted Simon to see and understand, you know, you've missed the boat. Amen? You know, God doesn't reveal these things to people to destroy their lives, but to help them. And yet sometimes people will not receive the help that God would give them by showing to them there's a problem with, if you will, their faith. In Acts 16, Acts 16 and 1, Then came he to Derby. That's not where they make the hats, by the way. And Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were, that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took, uh, <clears throat> and took and circumcised him because the Jews, which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities and delivered them to the, uh, the decrees for to keep uh, that the apostle that were ordained to the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. You know, folks, uh, here we find Timothy, a young man saved by the grace of God, involved in the work of God. And you know what, folks? He is recommended, and his faith is recommended by the fact that he's been there, he's been serving. And Paul said, you know, I want this fellow to come along with me. I want him to serve with me. And, and uh, he was a servant, he was a help, he was a blessing to Paul. And he was young, he was, not an, uh, he was not an old fellow like Paul, amen, or like some of us, amen, but he was young, and the Lord used him. There's something genuine about his faith. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, <clears throat> beginning, if you will, in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son. Now, he wasn't his actual son, but you know what? He had become someone dearer to his heart, almost as a son, because as far as I know, Paul had either never been married or was a widower, had no children, and yet he'd involved himself in the lives of young people and seen them, seen them saved by the grace of God and loved them sometimes even as a father does. And he says, uh, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and, and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers that, with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of, of thee, of thee in my prayers night and day. You know, he had a care and concern and love for him. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with thy joy, filled with joy when I call to remembrance, folks. Watch what he says here. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, the, 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 the faith that was not a fake or hypocrisy, but that which was true and right and genuine. And Paul knew it by experience because he had labored with this young man. He had seen the, the faith grow and increase no matter what the trial and difficulty might be. And not that he did not stumble along the way, as sometimes we do, the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother, Lois, and in thy, uh, and thy mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in, that, uh, in thee also. You know, folks, what a testimony. The unfeigned faith. He's saying, you know what, you're, you're, you weren't a hypocrite. You were one who loved the Lord and genuinely served me. You served with me. And I know that. You know, the truth was known to Paul, not because God gave him a vision, but by observation. He'd seen Timothy in trial and difficulty. He'd seen the God that brought him in there, brought him through it, and gave him victory in the, in the process of it. Amen. God is that way. James 2. James 2. And verse 14. <clears throat> what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? Now he's not promoting, he is not promoting a work salvation. What he is saying that, you know, if you have a genuine faith, you know what your works will do? Verify. Verify what you say you believe. 
And he says here, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it not, hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. I will show thee my faith by my works. Amen. James turned it around and said, Listen, you can see my faith. You can see that it's genuine by what I do in my life. You know, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amen? Why do we serve God? Why do we love God? Why do we go forward even in the midst of trials? Because we believe in a God that we cannot see. And that comes from the faith we get from the Bible. Amen? None of us have ever seen God unless you're, who was that preacher that <laughs> said he saw a 900-foot Jesus? What was it? No, not Falwell. This other guy. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah, Oral. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> I was asking myself, first time I heard that, I thought, what kind of drugs is this guy using? <laughs> I was like, what, what planet are you from? You know, actually, I felt slighted. I'd never seen a 900-foot Jesus. I'd never seen a, a four-foot Jesus. I hadn't never seen Jesus at all except in the Scriptures. Amen. Ah. But there's a difference between that which is genuine and that which is false. Amen. But if you will, what about looking back to 1 Peter 1 and verse 7. The trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The second thing in reference, if you will, uh, to <clears throat> the value of our faith that's to be found during trials is the preciousness of our faith. If you look with me to Matthew 13 again, Matthew 13, <clears throat> and... Uh, beginning in verse 44, Matthew 13 and 44. The Bible says, And again the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he, hide, he hideth, and for joy goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. And again the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchantman seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and bought it. You know, folks, in, the, in infancy, in, in salvation... Our faith, you know what, folks? Our faith values something. Values something. It values the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. It values the, the sacrifice, the loving sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And we're willing to pay whatever price it is necessary to have that salvation. And we know that if... The scripture teaches that, you know what, folks? It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But that faith in its infancy and salvation is like, if you will, the gold uh, first hewn out of the rock. Kind of rough, hard to see maybe all the value that's there or that will be there in time to come. But there's a value there in faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a preciousness there in Job 23. Job 23. And verse 8, Job 23 and 8. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where doth he work? <clears throat> but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. You know, remember earlier we talked about this this morning. You know, Job says, where is the Lord that I can find him? He's struggling with seeing the Lord in the midst of all of what he's going through. But he says in verse 10, But he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Folks, you know, as God tries our faith, it's like that rough-hewn gold that's not quite as pure and maybe even as valuable as what it will be. 
as God tries us, as God begins to knock off the excess uh, uh, stuff that clings to the gold and what have you, as he begins to turn up the heat and with that heat begins to purify, you know what, if you will, melt the, melt the metal, allowing the dross to rise up so that he can remove it, so that it can be of greater value than it was even when it was first found, when it was first formed. In Psalm 66, Psalm 66 and verse 10, For thou, O God, hast proved us, thou hast tried us as silver is tried. Thou brought us into the net, thou laidest affliction upon our loins, thou hast caused men to ride over our heads, we went through the fire and through the water, but thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place. See, folks, when God allows us or even takes us through the, the deep water or applies the heat of the fiery trial, folks, it's not to destroy our faith, but to purify, to make it even more valuable than it was when we first got saved. Folks, what a blessed thing it was to have faith at all. Amen. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but thanks be to God that someone stood in a pulpit and preached the, uh, the true word of God. And, you know, God took it. And, you know, we sing the song. We don't know how God produces faith in the human heart. And yet he does. The Bible says so. Well, give me the, the, the current deep explanation. I don't know. I don't have the deeper meaning. We have to take God. You know what? What is faith? Faith is taking God at his word. Amen. Believing what he says, even if sometimes we don't always understand it. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. God wants to bring us out to a wealthy place. He wants our faith to increase, to be something it wasn't, wasn't before. In, in uh, Proverbs 17 <clears throat> And verse 3, Proverbs 17 and verse 3, the fining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. Be sure of this, it's God that's at work. Now, when we, as we've been talking in the book of Job, you know, we, we, eventually we'll get to it, if I can ever get out of verse 1. <clears throat> you know, the devil wanted to destroy. He wanted to destroy Job he wanted to destroy everything about Job and the testimony of God. But see, God knew the genuineness of Job's faith. And he said, okay, I'll let you do just so much. Just so much. And as difficult as it was for Job when it was all said and done, you know, folks, Job was blessed for it. He learned some things about himself and God brought him out if we can believe it or not, into a better place. Amen. A stronger faith. It's the Lord that does it. In Proverbs 8 and verse 15, Proverbs 8 and verse 15, the Bible says, By me kings reign and princes decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better, better than gold, yea, than fine gold, my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment. You know, folks, God gives us in, in Christ uh, heavenly riches, riches that are more valuable than, now listen, than all the gold in Fort Knox. Although there's some trouble, there's some problem in our, I don't know if you've been listening on the radio. I, I, li I listen to the sanctified radio of local news on the way to work. And I get these advertisements about buy gold, buy gold, buy gold. You know why? Because they're printing money faster than they can support it. With You know, it used to be we were on a, what was it, a silver standard, a gold standard. Folks, we don't have enough gold to give real value to our currency. We don't. We're in a mess. We, don't, we just don't know it. You know something, folks? God gives us something more valuable 
than all the gold in Fort Knox. And folks, we find that in our faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. And you know, it's a faith that God promises to purify and to make more valuable for us and for him. And Isaiah 48, and Isaiah 48 and verse 10, Isaiah 48 and verse 10. <clears throat> I'll start in verse 9. For my name's sake will I defer mine anger, and for my praise will I refrain for thee that I cut, uh, cut thee not off. Behold, I've miserably. And sometimes, folks, even you and I of affliction to do something that only that affliction can do for us. Purify our faith. Make it even more valuable than it was at the beginning. Look with me to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. And let's look at verse 13. Preserve for us by God in His Word. In Daniel chapter 3 and verse 13, the Bible says, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought the, these men before the king. Then, and Nebuchadnezzar spake unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do you not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if, if, if ye be ready, at the, at the, that at what time ye hear the sound of the coronet, flute, harp, suck, uh, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver thee out of my hands? Now, I'm going to tell you something. If somebody was threatening me with that, I'd be going, uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't have my fire retardant clothing on. <laughs> Neither do these guys. And I like what, he, what their response was. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, boy, are we excited. Now, uh, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. You know, they weren't anxious about this whole thing. Going to a, a barbecue, and you're it. Amen. <laughs> uh, how many of you like barbecues? Amen. But not this kind of barbecue. If so be, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. And the, and the deliverance he spake of is probably their very death. It could very well have been their death. You know, sometimes the world imagines that if they kill this body, they've destroyed our faith, they've destroyed us, and they've won a victory. Well, what a foolish notion. Amen. What a foolish notion. <clears throat> Verse 18. But if not. <laughs> but if not. Here's the disclaimer. But if not. Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. <clears throat> now, you know what? I don't think these guys are exactly excited about this. I think they're worried about this. But they did exercise some faith that was notable. They said, you know, our God can deliver us. And no matter what you do, he's going to deliver us. No matter what you do to us. But 
If not, we're still not going to bow down and worship your false gods. And folks, sometimes we're tested. Our faith is tested. It is threatened. In a fiery trial, we begin to wonder, you know what, what is, is what I've been believing all my life been right? Ever felt like that? Yeah. I've been through some things that have caused me to question my faith and the things that I've been taught. And I have to say to myself, is, are these things really true? Especially when some who have taught them to me have been unkind and ungodly in their treatment toward me. So it didn't happen, it does. It does sometimes. And yet I'm going to tell you something, folks. Even in that, you know, it's kind of like this. It's almost like a pendulum swing. Sometimes when you get hurt by those whom you've loved and trusted and taught you, you get hurt and you want to swing way over here. And say, you know, I'm just done with this whole thing. And the Lord says, now wait a second. Before you freak out and go too far, then we begin to swing back over here. And finally, you know what God's looking for us to do? Is find the center. Find the center. Find the truth. Find our faith again. And hang on. Amen. Hang on. Go forward. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You know, I wish I could always say that always in my behavior and my teaching and treatment of others, that I've always treated people properly. But I'm going to tell you something. At times, to my shame, I have not. And maybe some people have gone through some deep water because of me. Because of me. And I've had to look at myself and say, you know what? Have I helped their faith? Or have I caused them to stumble in their faith? And sometimes, folks, even when we don't mean to, we do. We cause others to stumble. And yet God wants to use even sometimes those things to help strengthen them in what they really believe. Amen. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10, the Bible says, According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man uh, build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work be uh, burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. You know, he's talking about the judgment seat of Christ, where the fire of God's scrutiny will try what we've done in the name of faith. Amen what we've done in the name of faith. And sometimes, sometimes I've imagined this, that there are going to be some little old ladies and some little people who thought themselves and their faith and their service for God to be insignificant. And maybe they've stepped back and said, wow, I wish my life could have been like that great preacher. And yet we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ and I'm going to tell you something, there's going to be some preachers who have little or nothing to show for what they called faith. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about so many people that went through so much by faith and they go unnamed. They go unnamed, but they're not forgotten or unknown. Amen. They're not forgotten. They're not unknown. God remembers. God saw it. And God will try it in the end. Revelation 3. Revelation 3. 
Look at verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things say the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works. And be sure of this, folks. The Bible says all things are naked and open of the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God knows what we're doing and why we're doing it. And only God can know that. Let's, and then we have to be careful, again, not to set ourselves up as judges one of another. Not that there aren't times when judgment has to be exercised. But he says here, <clears throat> I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that there were cold, thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm, uh, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of thy mouth. And we talked about that earlier during prayer meeting. I'm going to puke you out. Amen. That's that special term. <clears throat> Makes God vomit. Amen. Because thou sayest what? I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eyesad, that thou mayest see as many as I love, I rebuke and chase and be, there, uh, be zealous therefore and repent. You know, sometimes, folks, we don't see things about ourselves like we ought to. But sometimes God says, well, you know, I'm going to help you to see. I'm going to take you down a road, a road that you may not want to go down because I want to do something for your faith. You know, these people were boasting of having great faith and God knew better. A faith that they imagine was like gold and it was worse than gold. It's like rusty iron or what have you. See, God knows. He takes us down a road that we don't want to go, but that we need to go so that we can learn something about our faith. And folks, so that when, once we've learned it, we see what's really important and we focus our faith back on the Lord and doing what God wants us to do and our faith is increased though we've gone down that road, God would have our faith to increase, to become something it could not be without those trials and without those difficulties. Now, you know, be careful for praying for patience because you're asking for trouble. Amen. <laughs> I think when we pray, Lord, increase our faith, we're asking for trouble. The good kind of trouble, amen? Because God loves us. God knows what's best for us, amen? And he's going to take us through and bring us out into a wealthy place. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.